Hello, I'm Jane Daly and this is my podcast for people who know. As an independent thought leader, coach and work-life activist, I'm curious about people who are accelerating their work and life. And whilst finding their own balance, they have also found the time to support people to do the same. My interest in Laurie Niles Hoffman started when I saw Laurie speak at a conference. She really inspired me because not only did she have all of the evidence to back up what she was saying, but she also was so personable that when I went up and spoke to her afterwards, I felt like I'd known Laurie forever. And she still inspires me today. Laurie, I'm absolutely delighted to welcome you to the Work-Life Time Machine today. Thank you so much. I'm absolutely thrilled to be here. And those are really kind words. I I remember that moment. And Laurie, since that time, many uh, rivers have passed and many different things have gone on. But um, I know today we are particularly going to focus on future women leaders. But tell us a bit about yourself and what you're up to at the moment. Well, uh, I'm up to snow at the moment here in Canada. Recording this at the beginning of November. I didn't expect, well, actually, it's mid November. What am I saying? But uh, I'm up to snow. Uh, but no, these, these days, uh, obviously not traveling, but still working with, uh, with clients, um, mostly in EMEA and, and the UK on uh, digital transformations. Uh, we're working prominently right now with a, uh, uh, a large uh, UK based bank um, and also doing some work in the pharmaceutical industry, which for me personally has been very interesting because. I feel like it's one small part of being able to help with, um, you know, the vaccine development and, and help some of that that upskilling that needs to to happen. So that one's been near and dear to my heart. And other than that, just preparing to to hunker down for a, a long Canadian winter that I I haven't seen it for many years. <laughs> I always <laughs> manage to escape for a few weeks here and there, and not going to happen. It's incredible. I mean, you know, I feel really jealous about snow, but snow is one of those things that seems to go on forever doesn't it and um, we love it when it first arrives and then after a while we're like we want to move on now (laughs) well exactly and and it's funny because for the past couple of years in particular I've really missed out on winter I've always been I was either I was either in Spain or the UK and so I would get you know pictures from my husband you know meter of snow and I'm like oh that's 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 charming when I come home and now I realize this year I'm gonna have to see it like completely like there's no escape <laughs> well the amazing thing is Laurie, we can go anywhere in this time machine so are you up for it i am up for it let's spin <laughs> that wheel wonderful so uh let's step in here and you know tell me what you're seeing in this time machine what i'm seeing in this time machine i think let's go back not too far because uh you know i like to joke i've only been working for five years um let's go <laughs> back to 2016 I like it, Laurie. So 2016, not that far away, but let me set the scene a bit as you and I arrive here. Um, You know, the big news is that uh, the UK voted to leave the the EU, which obviously is still going on today. So so very big news at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, Theresa, Theresa May becomes the only second ever UK prime minister. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, Getting into uh, women a bit more, women were permitted to serve in close combat roles in the British Armed Service for the first time ever. So uh, quite a few things going on for women. And Rihanna was the woman of the hour with her um, song called Work. Which is totally fitting. (laughs) Which is absolutely, totally fitting, definitely. So 2016 was a really interesting year. What was going on for you? 
So 2016 was a really pivotal year for me. Um, it was one of those times where I was working in um, a job I didn't like, I'll be honest. And I was trying to find purpose and I was just missing it. And it was the year that I just literally took a match to everything. Uh, there's a quote that I like that says, when there's nothing left to burn, you have to set yourself on fire. <laughs> And I really took it to heart that year. And I just said, burn it down. And I, I went independent. I walked away from, you know, a, a good job on paper. And I didn't really have a plan or another job to go to. I just knew I was going to do something. And it was scary, but it was liberating as well. And um, it really set the stage for what would in the future become the agency that, that I have right now with Niles Nolan, although I didn't know it at the time. It's incredible, isn't it? It, it? it really is. And I love what you were saying about it's scary, but liberating. And I can see it. I know everybody else can't on the podcast, but I can I can absolutely see it. But I know the listeners will be feeling that excitement that you have. And looking back at that time, what would you what would you say really um, allowed you to liberate yourself? It's interesting because I was reflecting on this quite quite a bit, and um, I think the big one was harnessing anger. And I know that sounds strange, and especially as women, we're not really taught to be comfortable with anger, or it's seen as a bad thing for women to be to be angry. You're hysterical. You're emotional. And I had to look at all this anger that I felt, which was also born out of frustration and say, how do I harness that into an energy? How do I make that something that will propel me forward and make it into a positive? And that that took a, a, a lot of engineering, uh, a lot of mental engineering, but it was something that I'm, I'm so glad I did. And I, I did it very deliberately. It was something I woke up every day and said, what am I gonna do with this? And that that just seemed to be the, the ticket. And that was what, what then said, okay, I can jump out of this plane. And it's so interesting what you're saying, Laurie, because I, um, as you know, I like a little bit of data like you, bit of bit of research, insights, you know, you and I swimming in this stuff all the time. And um, I know some of the things we've spoken about in the past about women and being emotional, but actually women made huge progress in the 70s and 80s before we hit this century. But since this century's arrived, everything's stalled. And interestingly enough, with COVID, actually, there's been a regression. Yes. So it's so interesting to hear what you're saying, Laurie. So how do we, how do we influence people? Because you and I are in places where we have liberated ourselves. We are moving into new spaces. We are um, growing our impact, growing what we do and helping others. You know, what advice would you give to women particularly at this time? Well, what I what I hope, and it, it's difficult to do, but what I would hope is we are seeing women, we, we have read the McKinsey report and others, Red Thread Research as well has been talking about this. Um, you know, women are being pushed out of the workforce during during COVID. And it's 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 demoralizing. Um, what I hope is, and what I'm starting to see, is that women actually will have the opportunity to not just bang their heads against the glass ceiling, but actually move out of the house. And I think there's a difference in that. Um, it, once you are out of that construct where you're, you're you know, reporting into somebody, you're, you're in a company, you know, you're trying to do all those things, it is actually in a lot of ways can be very oppressive. And, and we know that women don't always fare well in those. When you're released from that, 
you are free to make the rules. You're able to take things in the direction that you want to take them. Again, there's a fear in doing that, but I also know too, women are extremely resilient. And when, you know, you put our feet to the fire, we will, you know, make something happen. And that's what I hope to see. And that's what I'm, I'm trying to mentor as many women and men as possible through this time to help them find what is their, their next thing and to realize that, okay, you may have been made redundant or furloughed. This is an opportunity. Seize it because you're never going to have this again and, and, and take advantage of it. I can absolutely relate to that, Laurie, is that um, we need to mentor, coach, support, give advice, listen, you know, whatever you want to say about that. We need to listen to everybody, don't we? Because that evidence is is real because women have taken the sort of family burdens um, or the, the, the lion's share of that. It is becoming much harder for them. And that's one of the reasons why we're seeing this regression, particularly in times of COVID. But maybe there's an opportunity to look at things differently, like you did yourself, mm-hmm. and say, okay, I'm frustrated, I'm scared, I'm whatever it might be. How do I turn that into something else and make sure that I keep going? And I think that's the thing for me, Laurie, is, is encouraging women to keep going. What's your view on that? Oh, absolutely. They, 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 they can't, they can't give up. They, they, there's no, there's no other option, unfortunately, but we need, we need to give them a network. We need to give them a platform. I think we also have a responsibility to speak more and more to companies. And that's one thing I, I, I feel privileged to be in, in the place that I'm in where, you know, I am talking to, you know, C-suite and saying, do not just, you know, rapidly let go of employees, keep them if you can, you know, and, and, and do what, do what you can to reskill them. Um, but, and, you know, and in terms of, um, you know, women and, and, and the challenges that they're having, you know, can we provide more safety nets for them? You know, things like daycare, flexible options, all of those things, they, they need to be in place. And, and, you know, and, and the men as well, I bring them into the conversation. It, it's not going to be just accomplished by us, us alone. Um, but, you know, to any woman who's, who's, who's facing these issues, you know, we, we've been through worse and, you know, we, we, we will get through this. We will. And I think, you know, coming back to the thing that you and I, um, if you like our core day job is, you know, we, to, we need to learn, we need to adapt. And so does the workplace. And so does the thinking in the workplace and the decisions that, that are made. I uh, was working with an organisation the other day where we were able to talk about strategy for strategic workforce planning. And they hadn't even, even in this climate, considered flexible working. And you know what, when they did and they put it into their strategy, lo and behold, they didn't actually have to make any redundancies because people were desperately wanting more flexibility. And for that, we're happy to take some salary uh, cut. And then you can actually find that there's more room for more people in the workforce. So it's it's interesting. It's a very interesting time. But shall we have shall we shall we get in this time machinery and go? go to the present let's do it I'm always happy to look younger (laughs) absolutely every time I talk to you Laurie you look younger I don't know what this secret formula is maybe it's that snow in Canada I'm I'm coming out there when I'm allowed out again of course when I'm allowed out but you know look we're free we can go anywhere in this time machine let's arrive at 2020 and Laurie tell me what you're observing 
What I'm observing right now, I mean, it's a big time of change. And, and I mean, and it's uncertainty. I think issues that were underlying um, in, in the workplace and, and in learning and in people's lives are all intersecting. Um, and also too, I'm seeing a lot of uh, inequality is being you know brought to the surface because all of a sudden haves and have nots make a huge, huge difference. And in basic things, do you have access to Wi-Fi, you know, to stream that video or, you know, best healthcare or any of those things, all those inequalities qualities. And I think it's a time for, for us to make some really big decisions about what work in life and how those how those play together are actually going to be for, for the future. And, and I think companies are going to have to make some really serious decisions uh, to become attractive employers because the, the skills market is going to become far more and more competitive. I think it's an opportunity too for, for women to shape the workforce that they would like to see um, because we can't afford women to just drop out. That's just not going to be possible, but they need to have that voice at, at, at the table. Um, I think it's a time too where ethics, I hope, become more more and more prominent, or at least we're going to see how how people when they behave unethically, it's it's far more transparent now, and we we see it because we see the impacts of it, and I hope that causes a shift. That's a very Pollyanna, I realize, you know, view of the future, um, but it's it's what I would like to see. Um, but I also think too, this is going to be a period where we're we're going to need to think about what do we want our future selves to look back on this and say, what did we do and how did we behave? Because it will be under analysis and behave accordingly. Laurie, you're absolutely right. And I, it's something really touched a nerve with me there where you were talking about, we all need to shape the work life that we, and you know, that, that's sort of the conditions for that together. Um, and I think that, you know, these, this climate in particular is telling us more and more, it's shouting at us, isn't it? It's not whispering anymore, it's shouting to say it's got to be more human, it's got to be more equitable, it's got to be driven by a sense of purpose and profit. We all know that, listen, we know businesses need to make money, but we also know that they can do that in much more purposeful ways. And never before has there been a time where businesses need to look at themselves and think about the impact they're having on you know, humans, economies, the social aspect of life. As you say, who would want to be working in some of the organisations and some of those decisions that are being played out loud in the media? And I know there is a bit of fake news, but a lot of it is real and backed up by evidence. And it's not good out there sometimes, is it? No, it's 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 terrible, and and what we don't want to see is is a world where people are forced to take these jobs. That's that already exists, you know, where you see you know certain economies and certain regions where there's one major employer who almost has a monopoly and can set the working conditions. We have to break those so that people aren't beholden to them, and then that that's their only way, you know, to to remain gamefully employed. Um, I, I I have great faith in the creativity of you know people who you know my circumstances were completely different in a different time, but who opt out of the system, so to speak, to create their own. And, and I, I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of that. And, and I think that that's a, that's a positive thing. So people will gravitate to, to, towards that. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that now is the time to be speaking up and letting employers know that, you know, if, if there was an element of more flexibility, if there was an element of this or that, or, or, or what is needed, then I wouldn't need to leave this organisation and leave behind all of the blood, the sweat, the effort, the time, the passion that I've put into my work. Um, because people don't leave 
really unless there is a real problem but i i'm seeing it more and more this year in particular women that are saying i just can't do this anymore um i was talking to my pilates teacher the other day that was having a real challenge with you know childcare, particularly in lockdown mm -hmm. um, i mean she's part-time already yeah she combines um you know motherhood some some other stuff already and you know someone had said to her you know what you're just you're just best to give it up and actually we had a chat and she said I don't want to. I've spent years developing up my my practice and and my um, my clients and my reputation, and um, actually, um, you know, it was just helping her look at things a bit differently. And I think that there is a real opportunity to learn and think differently. And those conversations are not always happening, but it's within our gift to make them happen, Laurie, isn't it? Yeah, they, they, they have to happen. Absolutely. I mean, you mentioned before, you know, even just the economics, when you talk to these, these companies, you know, are you really prepared for this portion of your workforce to either walk or you let them go when some simple changes can make it? I mean, if we really want to talk numbers and I, and I hate that it comes down to that, you know, the amount that you're going to lose by these, these mostly women leaving and the, the corporate amnesia that goes with it, the onboarding recruiting of another person, um, the, the skills that are walking out the door, you don't want that to happen. You have to, so to work with them. And that has to be a dialogue, not a place of assumption that this is what, what, you know, people want. It's asking them and finding out what, what do they, what do they need? Um, you know, simple things too, even, you know, I was working with one, one large uh, pharmaceutical company and we looked at their data on, uh, on teams just on usage we found 80 percent of their employees were logging in outside of work hours for more than an hour okay well that that's telling you something so maybe we need to rethink what that work day looks like because clearly people are already you know carving out that time and and you you want to worry about burnout and or do you say well work days will be you know we can stagger your day whatever it is but we have to think about that because it's it's simply not going to work for all of us it's not. And you and I are real advocates of making sure that we make decisions based on a level of data, insights, evidence, whatever you want to term it. But there is a, a lack of evidence in organisations, isn't there, Laurie? I mean, the work that you and I do, we talk about this a lot, is that there is a real lack of credible, reliable data that's coming from multiple sources so that they can see some of the patterns and trends that are going on. Um, how do we change that, Laurie? How do we help people change that? Well, I, I think, you know, when we say there's, there's, a, there's a lack of data, and that's, that's true in a lot of places, but in some things, some ways, there's some surprising places we can find it. You know, I, I say, okay, you want to know what your employees are thinking? Go to your HR, you know, IT, whoever is handling the HR site at your, at your company, and find out what people are searching for. You know, and are they looking for stress sleep? Are they looking for, you know, resignations? What are what are they they looking up? That's going to tell you a lot about, you know, what's happening. I, I had one company where in the you know top three searches was harassment. You know, that, that's going to tell you some. But I also think, too, we have to be proactive about going out and also generate the, the, the data yeah. and talking to people. And it has to be that that two way street. But we also have to do it in a way that is safe. We that line between work and life is blurred, and you don't know what goes on in, in somebody's own home, and you can't pry into that. So it has to be a way too where it, it's not going to create more inequities, and it's not going to uh, mean for somebody to be exposed. But it's going to be a, a, a you know a safe and impactful way to to build a workplace workplace that 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 works. 
Yeah, I think that's really good advice, Laurie. You know, and even, as you say, generating it, but doing it in a safe way. I mean, psychological safety is mm -hmm. another huge challenge. And actually, when we look at um, the topic that you and I are exploring today, in particular, you know, inequality, we, we're particularly focusing on women. But quite frankly, when you look at all sorts of aspects of diversity and inclusion and, and uh, efficacy, that, that they're all regressing quite frankly, even though there's been huge amounts of financial investment going into these kind of programs, mm -hmm. the evidence tells us that things are not changing. No, it was very interesting. I even saw it yesterday, and um, this is just news, you know, south of the border to us, is they said, you know, I think it was New York State has uh, now given free access to 4,000 uh, courses, I think it was with Coursera, and everyone's applauding it. And I thought, okay, hold on a second. You're assuming that people have a literacy and that they've had, uh, it, it's in their language that English is a first language because these are very technical topics. So there's your first barrier because they were not translated. You're assuming they have access to a device that they can actually consume the content on. You're assuming too, they have access to a 5G or 4G network, which they may or may not. I mean, in, in Canada, you step outside of, of any of our cities and it doesn't exist. Um, and you're assuming too that they they can they have enough uh, Wi-Fi or, or bandwidth in order to consume video or or high graphical content. I mean, I we still have our libraries are closed due to lockdown, but they've kept the Wi-Fi on, and you can go to any of our local libraries, and you will see in the parking lot adults in their car or on their bikes or sitting on the curb accessing to tether to the free Wi-Fi. So there's a lot of barriers that we're not accounting for, and that we need we really do need to consider. And we really need to, you know, look at the context, don't we? That's what we're talking about here is really understand the context, because as you say, you know, we're making too many assumptions, quite frankly, aren't we? Um, Absolutely. And I have my own blind sides. I, I, mean, yeah. you know, I, I mean, I'm trying to see what I observe and I know that I, I, mm -hmm. I'm, I, I'm coming from a place of privilege. I'm trying to break those down, but we need to listen more and we need to look at these these things more holistically. Well, definitely. And I mean, uh, some of the work that, that I'm finding is working. Or it'd be lovely to know if you are doing some something similar is looking at the difference between equality and equity and understanding that look, equality is where we want to get to in the end. But equity is about tailoring the means to get there. So, you know, if we're at this place now, let, let's take women as an example. Um, we know the evidence says that unless something radical and significant changes, it's not going to be until 100 years, we even level the pay gap. Now that's crazy. Mm -hmm. So what has to happen is we have to change the roots and how we how we look at equity, mm -hmm. so that we make sure that people are given the support they need. Yes. It's not taking away from anything that's going on today that continues but the other stuff then needs to be tailored and changed and often dialed up to give people the same um, opportunities and more of a leveling opportunity so it's not taking away from what's there because that isn't right either no. but it's saying that you're not going to ever level it if you're not helping people in equitable ways and I think it's, it's, it's a really astute point that you raised there, Jane, and, and it actually reminds me of a conversation that I, I had with my own parents. Um, <laughs> I, they inadvertently raised a feminist, and sometimes that backfires. <laughs> um, and we were talking about, you know, uh, some of the things that I do with, you know, to, to help women in learning. And, and, and I won't say which one, but one of my parents said, well, what are you doing for men? And I quipped back and I said, well, well, Chad, I'm sure is fine. You know, he's, he's already got 
access to all the networks. And, and it, it offended them. But I, I also think too, it's, it's not that I, I haven't helped men. I, I, I have men that I, I mentor and men that have helped me. I don't want to take that away. But on the other hand, to your point, it's an uneven playing field. And it, you, you have to balance that out. And, and, and that, that doesn't go with, it doesn't mean that anyone's denied, you know? I mean, that those those networks still exist. It's just that in order to get women into those, there's going to need to be more help and more advice and more doors open for them. And and that's just that's just a fact because the doors have been open or I've been close to them for so long, but they've been open to others. So that has to change. It, it absolutely does. And what we're really talking about is, is that women themselves have got to help shape, but also organisations and the cultures and the way that we make decisions have got to be looked at through those lenses, basically. Absolutely. I mean, I see time and again, and you've seen it too. I mean, I've sat in, you know, pitches and, you know, in VC offices and, and whatnot. And, and, and time and time again, it's, it is, I'm sorry to say, white men holding the purse strings. And, you know, they're not seeing that, you know, these, these, opportunities being put in front of them are, are, are maybe viable and, and that's that's disappointing it is and I and I, I think it you know we have to educate everybody involved in this I don't think you know of course there are a small amount of people that are going out of their way to get it wrong but in the main in what evidence I see people are not doing that they just don't realize and often they're doing so much of the wrong thing, it's it's going the opposite way, which is what we're seeing in the evidence. So um, we need to, you know, look at that equity now in order to create equality is what I'm seeing. Now, Laurie, let's, um, let's be brave and go off to 2030. You up for that? I'm up for that. I, I don't want to know what it's look like in 2030, but let's... <laughs> Now, while we put Rihanna on in the background, which nobody else can hear, but you and I can hear, um, you know, let's let's have a bit of fun here. So we've arrived at 2030. And if we listen to uh, the people that um, have the means to be much more predictive than, than you and I on our own, you know, the McKinsey's, the Deloitte's, the PwC's, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They're predicting that in 2030 that there'll be less people in full time work. There will be portfolio careers. Work lives will be totally intertwined and the nine to five will still be there in some respect but really not it will not be the sort of main way we'll be in a digital first workspace mm -hmm. and um, there'll be some very different opportunities to what there is today so we're we're entering it's not it's less than 10 years now but an interesting space but uh, what do you foresee well, I, I agree to a certain extent with everything that they're talking about, but I think that's very much so a Western and wealthy view of what 2030 will look like. Um, and I, I think it's not taking into account um, developing nations, not taking into account people living at or below the poverty line. Um, and, and I think that that those, I'm curious to see what, what worlds will look like for them. I, I'm, I hate to say I'm not as optimistic that it will be better. I think that we're, we're getting to, to a point where even just barrier to entry, I mentioned before, you know, if we go all digital, there's a lot of expenses that go along with that. And that, that may just may not be uh, available to a large portion of the, of the world's population. So, you know, um, I, 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 I do think to, what I would like to see more of though, if, if, I'm, if I'm again putting on my Pollyanna hat, 
is you know that that what is work in life and what is purpose hopefully gets uh, a little bit more merged that we will have some flexibility i hope things get better for 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 um you know as i said people who are who are working more in the manual labor and 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 trades and that um you know we 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 can improve conditions there i don't see that happening by 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 2030 because of the investment that's required or it's going to be a huge effort on the part of the, the corporations that be and, and often I don't see the evidence that, that that's really what they want to do. Absolutely. I sound, awful. I sound really pessimistic, don't I, Jane? No, 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 you don't. I think, you know, what, what you're talking about there is realism. And, and, you know, I think that, you know, what you're raising there is, is a field of view because what we, you know, with globalization and, mm. you know, what we're able to see on internet and, and, you know, how we're able to, you know, look in, virtually you know you and I could go on a camera now and look at a number of places in the world where you and I may may never visit in our lifetime mm -hmm. but we're looking at the you know the world through a particular lens and um you know I agree with you we cannot expect underdeveloped nations or nations that are in poverty at the moment to have a complete pendulum swing and be and be in that place and I think that what you're putting on the table is an element of realism it also brings up this opportunity again to be more human and understand that just because it's like that for you when you're making a decision you know you need to just maybe ask some questions to make sure that your view of the world or the context or you know what what, what you're seeing is as real for everybody else so I like it Laurie what you're saying because what you're doing is taking a very mature and grown-up view of how you need to approach this kind of stuff, which is very rare in organizations. Well, well thank you for, for saying that because <laughs> I, I feel like I, you know, as I said, being very pessimistic, um, but I, I think it's realistic and, and I, I want us to build a better future. I want it to be different, um, but it means that we can't just build for ourselves. It does, Laurie. And I, you know, I think that one of the things that I would love to hear your, your advice from some of the seeding to get where we need to be needs to happen now because you know particularly as we're hearing the evidence shows that you know progression for women in the workplace is not going uh, it's not progressive now there are different things happening but there is definitely less progression for women if you look at evidence from all different sources i think myself i've looked at over 40 different research reports from many different sources and they're all saying the same thing but what advice would you give women today who you know want a different work life by 2030 what advice would you give them to be thinking about today in order to to, to make sure that their progression isn't halted by some of the conditions we've been talking about so I think that the, the big thing is I'm a big believer in, you know, being deliberate. Um, what I mean by that is setting out what it is exactly you envision for 2030. What do you want that to be look like and then work backwards? Um, so be very concrete in, in what and what steps. What do you think you're, you want your home life to look like? What do you want your work life to look like? Where do you want to be? I mean, but also being realistic that life will take you in all sorts of different directions. But you have to have a North Star. Find your mentors. And, and by, by mentor, I don't mean just somebody who can coach you. It's always good to have a coach. But what's been, always been really helpful to me is people, and maybe mentor isn't even the right word. It's 
a docent. It's somebody who can open and unlock the doors for you. And that was something I, I, I really, really needed. And, and I would advise women not to be shy away from that. So look at the people who are influential in the industry. Send them an email, send them, you know, on LinkedIn, make contact, build that network, because the network is what will get you through. And if you it, I, I can't I can't underestimate that enough. And I know a lot of people are saying, well, I don't want to be on LinkedIn. I don't want to be doing those things. Fine. Then use email, use something. You're going to have to build up that that trusted network because they have the keys. They, they hold the privilege and they're not sitting there holding it to their chest because they don't want anybody else in. They don't know who to let in sometimes. Right. And so they're, they're not hearing what's what's what what ideas people have because it hasn't been brought to their attention so that that to me is is a, is a really uh, key way um and be honest about what it is you're you're you're, you're looking to do and you can't have it all. I think that's a big thing too, is, is, is a lot, especially women think, well, I want everything. And I feel like I have to have everything. You never will, but figure out what's close to your ethics and what, what you're willing to, to compromise on and what you're not willing to compromise on. And, you know, and if possible, have a good partner who's able to help you through, because I know that was the best thing and still is the best thing in, in my life. Absolutely. It was resonating with me so much what you were saying. What great advice from you. And I'd, you know, I'd absolutely agree with all of that. You know, you are, you know, you are a successful female leader who is still learning. That's what you're saying in, in, in this. But what you're doing is, um, you know, all of those things are things that you have to work on, don't you? Because you can't, any of the things you just said there can't just be written on a piece of paper and left. You've got to mobilize them. You've got to nurture them. You've got to, um, you know, take care of them and actually take care of you, haven't you? And along the way, um, adapt and change. And if one door closes, knock on another one. Um, you know, that's what resilience really is. Um, and yeah, have your tears, get your friends out, have that G&T or whatever you fancy in, in the time machine. Mm -hmm. You can have what you want from the bar. Um, and, you know, just take stock, press pause and go, right, I've taken a breath. Here I go again. And, you know, I, I, I think for me, you know, asking some of those questions and breaking down some of those barriers. And for me, it's important that all of us pave the way for these future generations because I certainly do not want my daughter who is only five mm -hmm. having some of the challenges that I still face yeah. in boardrooms where you know I'm going in as an expert I've, I've often got much more experience knowledge and actually the best attitude in the room mm -hmm. um, whether that's you know whatever that is and still um, you know, there is someone at the table who repeats something I said five minutes ago and people jump on that rather than me. Yep. And you have to be brave and go, um, you know, it's not about just going, oh, I just said that. Mm -hmm. You go, OK, well, I'm going to throw in something else right. and make sure that, you know, um, yeah, you know, it's great that you're building on what I just said. Just to add to that. Here's this and, and, and keep going with that. And, you know, you that will happen in, in anything you do. And actually what I found is often um, as you are, you know, climbing this ladder and often looking over and going, I've, I've climbed over the wrong wall here. Yep. <laughs> Being brave about that and to go, it's OK. You know, mm -hmm. it's OK that that didn't quite work or this wasn't what I was expecting and adapt move as you were saying earlier 
Exactly. And I think, you know, to, to touch on your point too, about, you know, we, we don't want, you know, your, your daughter, or, you know, my nieces or any of the other younger generation coming up in this to have the same experiences we, we, we've had and to, to, you know, walk into those boardrooms like that. And, and I've, I've, I've come to a conclusion and I guess it's, I think it's really been in the past six months and I don't know if it's COVID related or not, where I, I've stopped censoring myself and that's worked well and, and not so well. So, you know, when I've seen some things, you know, on Twitter or on LinkedIn that, that are overtly sexist, I, I've called it out. And it's been an interesting reaction. Um, I find a lot of younger women will reach out and say, thank you for doing that. And then I've had other people say that that was inappropriate. And so I, I try and, and I wonder, you know, sometimes too, like, you know, what, what do we tolerate where our next generation will, will not? And, and, I, and I've been trying to, 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 to fight that battle. Now, again, I, I worry, am I going, am I going a little, uh, little wonky being indoors? <laughs> you know, crazy things can happen in a long Canadian winter. Um, so I, I, I try and get a sense check, you know, from, from, from others, but um my gut says I'm going to continue doing that because I, I think that it's it is uncomfortable, but I think it should not just be uncomfortable for me. It should be the per- uncomfortable for the person who made the statement in the first place. I I think for me, Laurie, is look whatever wh- whatever way people decide to call it out, whether they do it as openly as you, and I think that's what I love about you. You're very open and transparent, and people, you know, often maybe take that the wrong way, but you're. Your, your reason for doing that, I know, came from a place of wanting somebody to understand that that's not good enough. And if it isn't called out in that moment, it's like when something happens at work and somebody pulls you up three weeks later, it's like, can't even remember what that was and what the context was. If it isn't pulled out where it happens, then it doesn't have the same impact. So I can absolutely see that. But it's so interesting what you're saying about younger people. And I, I, I think that they're not conditioned by some of the things that, that that we've experienced. We're a similar age. Obviously, you look so much more younger than I do, I'm sure. <laughs> not, at, not at all. <laughs> but, you know, we're, we're, we're of a similar generation. You know, love Justin Bieber or not, we won't quite go there, Lori. But you know what I mean. We're a similar generation. Yes. And the fact that actually the reaction you mentioned of your parents, I could bring in a similar thing around my father, bless him, he's not here anymore. But it was coming from a very different place where, you know, we were conditioned to maybe only speak in certain places and do whatever. And I, and I do think that, um, you know, we are, as far as I'm aware, still in countries that practice free speech. Yes. And from that perspective, as long as it's respectful and it has a meaning and whatever else, that that you know that is the right thing to do but people need to do it in whatever means they feel comfortable but people's response and reaction is very very interesting but we do need to break down these barriers as i say i don't always think everybody comes from uh, and i know the evidence shows that people don't come from a position of wanting to get it wrong but quite frankly every day yeah. i see it and i will do what i can in this space to make sure that my daughter does not experience being spoken to, being looked at, being ignored, being disrespected, not being given the opportunities that I have had to fight my way and still do to get. And so, you know, that is my job to make the future better for everybody, not just women, but um, I have four children, three boys and one girl. I will make it better for everybody. But, you know, also, I know that my three boys 
the feedback I get about them is that because of my work life, because of some of the things I've tried to open their mind about, I get lovely reactions from both male and female mm-hmm. about their view on the world and relationships and women. So I think, well, maybe a little bit of what I'm doing is working. Well, I, I would say more than a little bit. And those, those kids are extremely lucky to have you. Thank you, Laurie. Now, I'm going to be really brave and uh, I'm going to have a huge gin and tonic. <laughs> Dragonfly gin, which is amazing. Um, and um, I am going to hand over my precious time machine to you. Where are we going and why? I am going to pick 2008. Wow. And 2008 was a crazy, crazy time. I joined what I thought was a startup that was rapidly becoming a scale-up that was eventually going to go for an IPO, succeed in that, and then get bought by Oracle for a billion (laughs) dollars. Okay. It was insane. And um, it was probably the the time in my career where I learned the most um, and where I grew the most and I was so uncomfortable. There were so many tears, insomnia and stress, uh, unbelievably so. Um, but when I look back, as I say, those were the that was the foundation for everything I, I'm doing now. I just didn't know it at the time. It's also the year I got fired. <laughs> So it was definitely a pivotal year for you. I like it. 2008. It was a wild ride. (laughs) Wild ride. Um, But again, it was, there were so many things that I learned that I don't think I fully appreciate until now that those were things I learned at the time. I thought this ride is, is insane. Um, But it, it, it really, it really shaped me. And I think it, it, it also gave me a, a dose of bravery that I wouldn't have had had I just stayed in corporate. Absolutely, Laurie. And I, I think that, you know, often we do have to just be patient, don't we? And, and, and you know, obviously make those decisions that you've shared with us, but also realise that those things do shape you. Um, and actually, you had a choice at that time, because they could have made you resentful and whatever. But, you know, they, they, they've absolutely injected energy into what you're doing and, and made your passion even much stronger for for the work that you do now I can hear and I can see that well it's interesting and that's one piece of advice if if you have that flexibility and I know I'm I'm, I'm talking from my own place of privilege I'm well aware of that but if you ever do get the opportunity to join a startup um, it it really is I think it augments your career in so many ways you may not survive it (laughs) I I didn't (laughs) but you will it changes your 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 mindset and then you can take that back into yeah. to an environment that's more secure um, and that's a little bit more regimented but there i was making decisions on the fly i remember i was running a, a, a conference in san francisco for 800 people i was running the education part but not the whole conference i've never done anything like that before and and it just was like okay well we have to make this happen and this is what we're going to do and it was just in, an incredible incredible time but again i would collapse in a puddle of tears at the end of it <laughs> Absolutely. I, I look back and I say, well, now it's like, okay, I did it. it. It happened and it worked and it's okay. But also, Laurie, what you're saying is, you know, having these different types of experiences, because I meet so many people that are talking about something and I sort of dig into it and I think, okay, that, okay, that's fine. Usually there isn't a lot of evidence. And then I find that they haven't maybe even worked in certain places and yet they are <laughs> Um, recommending things and I'm thinking that's okay and sometimes that works but 
not usually and for me you know I feel I do actually feel really privileged that I've definitely taken very unusual experiences mm -hmm. even volunteering and charity ones yes. I know that um, I'm definitely a stronger and more resilient person through my charity work that I've been doing now for uh, way over 18 years and that I didn't get paid for I mm -hmm. met incredible people i had very unusual opportunities that made me see the world in a much um a, a, you know to me a much more valuable way and, and and all sorts of meet all sorts of people from all different walks of life so i totally agree with you you've got to take some of those experience but laurie tell us um because you know we hear a lot you know you are such um, an expert you get picked up in many different places quite rightly but tell us something that um would surprise people about you that they may not have heard if, you, if you're up for that in this yeah, time I'm trying to think because I do kind of kind of do my socials as a bit of an open book um, <laughs> people um, may not know about me um, I think one if you really dig on my socials you, you would you would you would find this out um, but I do keep it separate from sort of my work is um, I do a lot of um, advocacy work uh, a little less so now but I'm still involved on the back end um, advocacy work for um, adoption and children in foster care and uh, the reason for that is my husband for several years we did try and adopt and uh, we were unsuccessful for a number of reasons mostly due to the system here and um, I've really fought for, for that type of change and it's it's something that um, I'm very I'm very passionate about um, and uh, I wish we could do a lot more and so that's the heavy one but I think maybe the lighter one is uh, I'm afraid of flying <laughs> I'm absolutely petrified of flying wow how interesting and I fly, I think in between, I count, I counted it up, in between January and lockdown, I'd flown to California twice, New York twice, London twice, Basel, Madrid, <laughs> uh, Copenhagen, Stockholm. And yeah, that, that was it. And, and I white knuckled every single one of those flights. <laughs> well, I'm really proud of you in the time machine today because we've whooshed all of these places and you've been really calm. So um, I'm good. The time travel, <laughs> it's, 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 there's no turbulence. I'm good. <laughs> I know, I know, that's great. But thank you for sharing some personal stuff, um, Laurie, with us today. Now, look, I, uh, I've had such fun with you today. But, you know, I want to say on behalf of corporates and particularly corporate learning, look, thank you so much for all the work you do as a senior female leader and how you're championing women in learning in particular. Um, and look, Laurie, we're never always going to get it right because yeah. we never do. Yeah. And do you know what? We will look back. When we're looking even younger in 20 years, <laughs> so, my goodness, some of those seeds that we planted, particularly you, have made a difference. So thank you so much, Laurie, for being with us today. Well, thank you, Jane. And, and I have to say, you, you know, right back at you, you've been an inspiration with everything you've accomplished. And I'm glad you touched touch on your charity work, because I think that's something that you're, you keep very secretive, but you've done some amazing things and the amount that you have fundraised is is, is, is just absolutely amazing. And, and I, I hope you know how much you are valued in our industry. Laurie, thank you. And to all our listeners out there, if you're interested in, in uh, the topics that Laurie and I have been discussing today, she's um, going to share three, uh, three things that you can dive deeper into. And please subscribe to the podcast on People Who Know because there's so many other amazing conversations to help you and uh, find out more about what people are up to in their work life. Laurie, thank you so much. I'll let you go back to the snow. <laughs> I'm not sure I want that, but thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Be well, Jane.
Thanks.